Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Dr. Gina Gaudio-Grace, the co-founder of Divizio, the affiliate network for companies doing good. That's D-U-V-I-S-I-O dot com. We have a fantastic show lined up for you guys. We've got my co-host and friend, Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Connection. Hello, Andrea. Oh, it would have to be on you, wouldn't it? Silly me. How about now? I, I am doing awesome and wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? Oh, I'm still in Ohio. Um, ever since I, you know, I did get to go to three different states there, um, but I've been home now for a week. <laughs> oh, actually, well, really it's, it's only been a week or a week and a half home. now. It's well, safer for you to I, stay home, so stay there. I suppose. I suppose. I like my traveling, though. And uh, I things know have been you really do. amazingly well. Um I have some new things that we'll be bringing to everybody in the future. I have been uh, partnering uh, with people who are doing some stuff that are in a avatar world. So literally on Saturday, I was supposed to speak on stage as an avatar that, um, you know, I, I had to make my avatar look like me, even though I haven't figured that out yet put her in a red dress and could get up on stage. But for some reason, my mic was garbled so they couldn't hear me talk. So all I did was dance for them. And then, (laughs) and then I attended an expo where I walked around from booth to booth and got people swag, like their free eBooks and stuff like that. And so there is a way now for people to actually still attend expos and do live shows uh, through another world, which is like, I don't know if people remember Second Life. It's like Second I Life sure from do. the same company. Yeah. So it's an amazing new thing. And so we have that going on. And we What's have some called? other cool. Um, it's called, well, it's Sansar owns it. So it's S-A-N-S-A-R.com. However, um, the woman I'm, I'm working with, um, she has her own platform with Sansar, and so I don't know what that's called yet. So we'll, uh, she'll be on in the future so that we can introduce people to it. Um, so it was quite fun and interesting. Um, I can't uh, wait. If, that sounds so cool. Yeah, if you know how to do Second Life, then that'll be really easy for you. Um, uh, surprising, even though I own a pinball and video game business with my husband, I'm really good at pinball. I'm terrible at video games. So um, although I'm terrible at them, I actually did really, really well um, and picked it up quick, ex- especially since I had to relearn a PC. I've been on Mac for like three years, <laughs> so switching back to a PC <laughs> was 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 um, interesting, like even, even finding the way to plug it in. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, Andrea. That is, is too funny. funny. 
<laughs> it was hysterical. My husband's like, you're putting the plug in the wrong hole. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I, we laughed so hard. He goes, I thought you were really good with technology. And I said, so did I. Apparently, I need to go back to the foundation of a PC. <laughs> oh, that's well, too funny. It is. We have a really great show for everyone lined up, too. Christine Grant is joining us. And uh, because I am um, calling from home today, I have uh, not my computer in front of me. So that causes me to have to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable with how I look at things. So let me pull up her information again. Here it is. Great. I've got it. And, um, you know, she's just an amazing woman. I met Christine Grant I, I think I met her originally on the Internet Marketers Cruise, and then uh, she was at A Bug Free Mind, which was a, a private mastermind for a limited of 100 top Internet marketers. And uh, she's from San, well, she was originally born in San Mateo, California. She, at the age of 12, they moved to Southern California. And she's done some amazing things there. I'm l- looking at her bio, and she I did not know all of this stuff about her. In the past, she worked as a graphic artist and did all these amazing things. And I actually have, like, a trilogy book of her for her. Um, all right, Christine, I'm just going to bring you on because you've done some amazing things <laughs> in your world, but you've done so many amazing things. I don't think I'll be able to have you on the show if I read all of this, but she has maintained a private um, psychotherapeutic practice. Um, She did that from 1998 until 2018. She's written a fabulous book. She's done this wonderful things with relationships, and I just adore her. She's a lot of fun. She's brilliant. She's smart, and we'll go through the details while we've got her on the line here with us. So, Christine Grant, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Gosh, that's a great uh, intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) I was just reading through that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it would take me 45 minutes to read all these amazing accomplishments that you've done in your life, you know, and and there were things in here and there I didn't ever even know about. So kind of give us some highlights of what your business is now, especially because of COVID. And I know you've been a speaker before and, and you've done all these amazing things all over the world, but um, everybody's businesses have been shifting. So how, how would you describe yourself today? <laughs> Personally, uh, in a weird way, and I know a lot of the listeners are going to scoff at this, but COVID has been a godsend as far as allowing me that space and time to um, grab hold of so many bucket list projects that I had on the shelf and they're coming into realization. So that's kind of a cool feeling. And uh, if I, I would be lying to say it's not a drag because it certainly is this, you know, uh, sheltering in and all of that is not um, my cup of tea, but on the flip side, the silver lining has been, it's really given me these amazing opportunities to really put things in gear that I've wanted to for so long. Yeah, it's been really interesting because um, I have really found that there's two sets of people. Um, you know, there, I mean, if I look at it, there are categories in between the two. Um, so, you know, when you say from one extreme to the other, that, that seems to be my biggest notice 
is that people are despondent and use words like I'm trapped, I'm imprisoned, you know, I'm miserable, I'm dying, this is horrible, and they're in this very victim mode of how the world has ended due to the COVID restrictions. And then on the other hand, I'm um, and luckily, I spend most of my time with this world over here, the people who are like, well, although I don't really like some of the things that have happened during COVID, certainly the deaths and certainly the restrictions, I've had all these amazing things happen, like businesses boomed. I found a way to turn my life to a different path. I have deeper relationships. I've made new connections. I've gotten things done. I'm making more money. So going from one extreme to the other, you know, from being around the people, obviously the group I want to be with is the ones who are smiling, given that I'm the Keep Smiling Movement's executive director. At the same time, I want to address the people who are feeling miserable and unhappy and sad by letting them know that there is a silver lining. So I love that you're sharing that. And as we get to hear more about you, there are so many things that they can take from what you do that can add to them finding a silver lining for themselves. Right. Well, let me start off by saying uh, from time to time, I will work with uh, children of all ages. And I was a school psychologist for about 20 years as well. And uh, because of my background in psychotherapy, I always was uh, relegated to working with the most emotionally challenged population. So I didn't like the phrase, but they would say, oh, these are the severely emotionally disturbed kids. And this year, between uh, February and the end of the school year, I was working uh, with only severely emotionally disturbed students. And with COVID, uh, that was Um, via telephone, not even Zoom call. And you can imagine some of these kids were in despair, uh, some of them struggling with um, being on the autism spectrum, uh, which is coupled with a lot of anxiety, Uh, others having depression and self-mutilating or suicidal ideation, or they've been in residential uh, programs. I mean, all kinds of distress. So what was I to do with those kids? And I was working with teenagers through a high school. Uh, Their homework was random acts of kindness, you know, a compliment, uh, a real heartfelt compliment doesn't cost anything, but it can make your day and it can make the day of the person who's receiving it. And so I would give them these little homework assignments to do something for someone else and get out of, you know, thinking the world was caving in and it was, you know, the sky is falling and it's all about me. And one story is kind of cute. This uh, 15-year-old boy who struggled with depression and, and severe anxiety, he was elated when he shared this story that this little boy in his neighborhood who was about six years old, according to this student, said he was showing um, severe signs of major depression. And I said, really, what's going on? He said, well, his parents were not getting along. And, and uh, finally, the, they split up and the police actually uh, escorted his dad outside of the house. And he's not allowed to see his son. And the little boy is just so sad and, and heartbroken. And 
I knew that this little kid loved baseball, and that was what his dream was, to be a professional baseball player. So the teenager bought him a little kid's, um, you know, plastic or whatever, whatever, I'm sure, baseball bat, glove, and ball, and his mom gave him a fancy balloon, and he went up to the little boy's house, put it in front of the door, rang the doorbell, and ran away. So he wasn't even sticking around to get the credit. But I said, well, how are you feeling? He said, I haven't felt this good in a long time. So my point is, is uh, when we get out of our own way in our own self-centered focus, and we can, can really consider how we can raise the vibe, the frequency, and create a little joy in someone else's life, that could mean the world to us as far as how we're rolling through the day. So that was just one little story I wanted to share. Well, I love that. My friend Susie Nelson, she repeats every, I'm like, every time I'm on the phone with her, she reminds me that her dad, they say, if you're feeling bad, take your eyes off yourself and put them on someone else, and, um, and that will change your focus. And I love that you told that story that goes along with me hearing that phrase frequently. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, we do the Leverage Masters radio show is we want people to leverage their business and their life so that they see and shift and look for abundance and manifest positivity. And that's the reason that we do the keep smiling movement. You know, I have crappy stuff happen to me every day and I can choose to stay with it and let it be there and take me down. Or I can choose to take my eyes off of that, put it on something else and create positivity and love for someone else, which makes me feel fantastically wonderful. And so I love that story. And I'm thinking of the challenges that you had to deal with, um, you know, like uh, sometimes if for teenagers alone, they don't even want to see you, but trying to talk to you on the phone where you can't like relate to them or look at them or see what else is happening while you're on the phone with them. Um, You know, I commend you for doing that work because that (laughs) – that is certainly some obstacles that you had to overcome doing it as a, a telecall, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of uh, my, um, my callings I'll say is to really mend conflict uh, in, in the world or in people's lives. And so many years ago, uh, you know, working with kids, and as a, as a uh, school psychologist, you do a lot of IQ testing and things like that, and that can get a, a bit tedious at times. So I'm always about the human heart and human nature. And with the rise in bullying and cyberbullying and such, I um, created a, uh, a program. It was really on the heels of my own daughter getting severely bullied in middle school. It was just so awful that I went to Florida one year to the National Mean Girls Conference, and that is truly the name, the National Mean Girls Conference. And, uh, and while I was there, I happened to meet the, uh, the hosts, the producers of this event, and they gave me a ride to the airport about 45 minutes away, and I was able to share my daughter's story. Then they asked me if I would speak the following year at their, their national conference in Vegas, and I said, yeah, of course. And nearly a year went by when I got the official invite, and uh, they wanted me to speak the following month. So I woke up in the middle of the night, and I went, oh, my God, I need a product. So within three weeks, 
I created the BFF, Be Friendship Focused, Guide for Student Self-Empowerment and Anti-Bullying, Conflict Resolution. And my daughter and I, in a single weekend, we're both pretty artistic, we created the A to Z Power Cards, so a, a kind of a um, character-building um, uh, manipulative where, you know, kids could actually start a conversation with this sort of oracle choosing a card. Oh, you got the letter A, A, appreciate. And then a painting of a, a, a little frog looking at a lion and appreciating their differences and then having a conversation about that. Um, so I, I spoke on that subject around the country for about two years and it was picked up by Youth Light Books and now I'm getting ready to repurpose that program uh, through Beyond Publishing and it really, you know, the, the same uh, lessons and all still hold true with conflict resolution. Um, power struggle is just that. When someone feels a, a, an innate limited sense of power, they can come off as the perpetrator, the bully. And this can happen in families and neighborhoods on the job. People that are aggressive, it's usually if you go underneath it's their limited sense of self-empowerment. Likewise, for the person that seems to be always being the target, quote, victim, is they're almost expecting to be treated poorly or have a, a, a negative interaction because their sense of power is also limited, as well as the person that's coined to be the bystander, the one that just sort of hangs out and doesn't do anything, sort of like the um, the, the George Floyd incident where the other officers just sort of stuck around as bystanders while the man was being murdered. So, um, so, so the tenets of that program continue to hold true all these years later, and it's really about who am I and how do I roll through life? And I love your Keep Smiling agenda. I mean, seriously, Andrea, that's amazing because people forget to smile. And isn't humor and laughter and being more light and fluffy a better way of being than waking up with dread, fear, or a sense of feeling unsafe? We have to look at well, what, what I are like fear of influences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we really do. It's like uh, that, that famous author, uh, Byron Katie, uh, her, her adage is, what is my true sphere of influence? What, do, what can I really, what can I affect change and what can I not? And the stuff that you can't, you have to be with it. And if you be with it in sad, depressed, scared mode, what is that doing for your immune system, for your um, relationship with the people in your life, for any of it, for your outlook? Life is precious. It is a gift. I, I mean, that might sound corny and contrived, but it really is. And I think it's important to, um, to greet that day and to be innovative. We're human beings. We're creative. We're not robots. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so I think <laughs> well, I just said that, that I was able to be an avatar where I look like a robot. Um, so it's certainly, and then, uh, and then Gina, um, certainly if you have some ideas and thoughts, uh, we welcome for you to jump in at any time, just interrupt us. 
And, uh, you know, so, you know, you, your scope of your world and who you are, you've also dealt with personal relationships and, um, and then wrote the book Relationship. So tell us a little bit about how that played into your world as well. Okay. I'd love to. Yeah. So as a, as a therapist all those years and, and I, I like to say, cause I know I have, I've lived a very, very full life. I mean, I was like the original private Benjamin. I was in the army when I was a teenager. I, I ran away from home at the age of 17 to Hawaii. I mean, I've, I've always been the adventurous type and uh, married a man who is, quote, doctor adventure and takes people on high-risk adventure travels all over the world. So you can only imagine what my life was in those years. So, uh, But anyhow, I had, uh, I had a neighbor approach me once who was dating this guy, and she thought he was just a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, she was looking to get married again. She was divorced. Her kids were nearly grown or already away in college. And she goes, he's so great. He's amazing. He's funny. He's, he's a gentleman. He's a successful attorney. He's such a catch. And I keep waiting for that tree to show up, and I just don't want to kiss him. And, and he's already left me flowers at the door the other day. And I was like, well, you know, I'll call her Joni. Joni, for real, you have to be uh, truthful. You can't lead him down a primrose path. He's spending all this time, you know, looking at you as a, um, a prospective girlfriend or whatever. And, and she said, I know, but I, I really suck at that. I'm probably going to end up hurting his feelings and embarrassing myself. So I said, all right, how about you write him a little note, put it in a cute little card, and express how you really feel in a nice way. And the next time you're with him, before you leave, hand it to him and say, you know, I, sometimes it's hard for me to really um, speak from my heart, but uh, I just thought about you over the week, and I wanted to just clarify where I'm at, something like that. She goes, that's a great idea. So she writes her little note. She sends it to me, and I tore it up in front of her. I said, this is disgusting, because it was the, the, um, the old – cop out in other words what she wrote was hey i i'm not very good at relationships and i have a really bad track record and anyway i'm not ready for a relationship and uh you know and and da 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 da. it was just all of the old it's me not you story so i rewrote her note with the truth but in a kind and considerate way and she said, wow, that's perfect. She gave it to him, and they remained friends. Like, I think even to this day, he eventually did marry this gorgeous woman. Uh, and she, Joni, had a legal issue that came up some months afterwards. He did all of her filings and paperwork for free. So she was so impressed with all of this and felt good about it that she started relying on me to help ghostwrite all of her other um, messages and letters to other people in her life and and then referring me to other people uh, to help them out and I would be getting calls from the east coast you know someone saying oh I hear that you're you're a letter writer I really really need your help and this started 16 years ago so in 2004 and uh, in 2008 a woman uh, 
I had written a, a letter from her, and it wasn't even a letter, it was a, a message uh, to uh, her former husband, who was kind of a creepy, nefarious guy, and, and he was not very nice, and she had had some awful experiences with him during their marriage, and she was actually afraid of him, and she couldn't sleep at night. And uh, so anyway, uh, after he received the message, he conveyed to her that it was uh, – he understood that he would always love her and that he, he was going to walk away and not bother her again. And he never did. And she said, you know, I've got to pay you. And I'm like, you do? Cause it, to me, it was like such a no brainer what to say. And, uh, and so I said, okay, well then pay me what you'd like. And she did. And then a bell went off and I said, you know what? Nobody does this, but it's bona fide. I think the, the last person I heard about was, Sereno de Bergerac, the story of the guy who fell in love with this woman and, and wrote the love letters to give to the handsome suitor, or the movie yeah. Her with Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. where they were all writing letters. Remember that? Because humanity had lost its ability to communicate from the heart. Now, we see today where there's people yeah. uh, in restaurants and families gathered around, and they're all texting I, I even saw a, a cute card in the grocery store yesterday that said, would you like to come over, bring, bring wine, there'll be about 10 people, and we'll, we're all going to be texting. <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, yeah. So I've really helped people that, some people that have been in emotionally dire circumstances. Uh, one man who hadn't spoken to his daughter in 30 years. Uh, I wrote a letter on his behalf, and uh, sure enough, she got back in his life. Uh, just all kinds, all kinds of issues, all kinds of dynamics between uh, family, friends, lovers, uh, spouses, partners, uh, blended families, people that are going through divorce, needing to be better co-parents, and I and I write eulogies, and I, you, you name it. It's I have a way with words. And so my book is called um, Relationship, How to Write the Words You Really Want to Say. And it's by myself, Christine, with a K, Grant. Um, and fortunately, I got these amazing endorsements like John Gray, Christiane Northrup, Ariel Ford, Catherine Woodward Thomas, and the the weird part was I never sought those endorsements. They came to me in really funny ways. So I think this book is meant to be, and I'm, I'm proud of it because it helps people. I have a whole section, a whole chapter that's focused on how to, uh, how to upgrade your skills, move out of your own way, and write from your heart. Uh, and then the rest of the book primarily is like Chicken Soup for the Soul, where I describe the predicament or the challenge, and then the uh, sampled letter, and uh, and then the aftermath and the wisdom that was gained from that. So that's kind of it. It's an amazing, you know, opportunity for you to be able to share your gift with other people have them, you know, experience it, see that there's other possibilities in the world, so that gives them hope. And at the same time, they can maybe try their hand at it. And if it's not, you know, if they don't want to do it on their own, then they have this ability to be able to reach out to you. And uh, why don't you go ahead mm-hmm. and share your website, and, they, and you can do it for them. Okay. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, so my website is Christine with a K and an E on the end. I have to say this through my whole life. <laughs> so ChristineGrant.com is my website. And I do have a free little mini ebook that does have some good writing tips on that uh, that you can, you can access through the website. Uh, and I'm in the process of building out some more um, user-friendly programs. Um, hopefully that'll be sooner than later. It's one of my to-do list projects right now. But yes, you can contact me. And um, I think just reading the book even gives people great ideas for how to approach their own uh, challenge. And also to maybe even give one the sense that they're not alone. So many of these uh, relationships issues, you might think you're the only person this has ever happened to. And when you get the book, you'll find, wow, I'm, I feel pretty lucky <laughs> compared to some of these people and what their challenges and travails have been. The good news is the aha moment when people realize that they look at the situation at hand with brand new eyes and a new, uh, a new perspective, and they can actually set themselves free. We all have emotional baggage, but I say only one carry-on is allowed because, frankly, the rest is just too costly, you know? <laughs> That's a great adage. You're right. Um, it can cost, uh, you know, like, <laughs> um, like unless you fly southwest, you can carry four, four things of luggage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, oh, I'm sorry. You that know? was just a funny fly on a, a play on um, anything else, but if you fly with uh, – Spirit, it's uh, thirty-five dollars if you buy it online, but sixty-five if you bring it to the thing and forget to pay for it ahead of time. Hence, why I only fly <laughs> Southwest. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. right. So, but, but um, uh, what we carry hmm. on uh, does really affect us. You know, the things that we carry around. Um, I don't even know if you know this, Christine. I also own a relationship business. Um, I, I did prior to owning the red carpet connection, still own it. I just don't advertise it much, but it comes up all the time in my world. Um, so it's called ignite your relationships. And one of the things that was always a key factor about stuff is I have a strike three year out and, and it's not about a person being out, but it's about, um, a subject. So I tell people that like, if something happens in your relationship, you're allowed to bring it up three times. And after the third time mm-hmm. you've brought it up, <clears throat> you no longer allowed to bring it up anymore because if you bring it up more than three times, then your only intention is to go towards leaving the relationship or out, you know, putting that person in a bad space. You, you now are, you have used up its worth. It's no longer has any value anymore. So it's, you know, three strikes and you're out. So um, it's really funny because when I and, um, tell people that's what their limitation is. So all of a sudden an infidelity and they know they could only bring it up three times. And I'm like, so you are, all right. So, you've already brought it up and talked about it. So even though you've probably brought it up 25 times in the past, we're going to count that as one. It's already happened. You have two more times that you can bring it up in your life. So you better be sure about why you're bringing this up. 
because it's only two more times or you have to make a change. Because I said, now you've held on to it, and you're the one who has to make the change. You can't bring it up and throw it in people's face anymore. And so I, and so I always tell them, and usually the third time is you're saving that for divorce papers and for court. So you better hold that one on for good. So just don't bring it up. And, and I said, and one could be yeah. And it's really hysterical because, um, you know, just like we can give people for permission to be themselves and to be free and to love and to do whatever they want. And they're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. it's got permission. We can also give them restrictions that they, their mind goes, yes, I must never do that again. And they accept that. And then they do that. And their relationships come so much better when all of a sudden they have the permission to love freely and then they have the restriction to stop bringing up BS that doesn't affect you anymore or to change your life. If, if you're accusing someone of infidelity well, the, and you've brought it up more than three times and it's still occurring, then now the change has to come from you. <laughs> you know, they're obviously not changing their behavior. Your turn. <laughs> you know, right, so. right. So it's uh, so. What I'm hearing you say is it's like the uh, playing the making you wrong game. Uh, yeah. So there's a couple things I want to say to that. I think you're. I think you're on a. Uh, I think you've made some excellent points, but I also feel that there's there's a couple layers. One would be if someone brings up an issue, and and they brought it up and they they're not satisfied with the understanding behind it they in other words the communication isn't that great between the couple where uh they can they can let the other person off the hook they can forgive they can move on and if they're still questioning the whys and the wherefores and they haven't they haven't really dealt with the underpinnings of the incident that was so offensive or destructive or however they interpret it, I think that needs to be addressed. And once that is addressed, then I think we can let things go. Uh, That's where this letter writing has come in so fabulous is because it really, it's like a, it's a different, when we have a conversation with somebody, um, half the time we're waiting um, for the other person to finish so we can insert our little tidbit or what have you, or we're thinking ahead of the game. When you when you read, I call my letters inspired heart letters. It's you contemplate the message, you can absorb it, you can process it, you can sit with it, you can read it again, and then come up with a deeper understanding or questioning, or or a way to try to resolve it. And uh, so, I think it it uh, you're right. You know, to hang on to a, an old piece of baggage and throw it up in the other person's face uh, when you're feeling frustrated or you want to detract from the from focusing on on a bigger point in the conversation or whatever uh, that can be a, a, a very misguided tactic but uh, but I, I I do absolutely honor your idea of haranguing and and and, and whining and nagging somebody when you're not getting the results you need this is about you ultimately our relationships are the best opportunities to grow and evolve ourselves we learn from our relationships i know i certainly have so yeah you have brought you know i and i love your addition to that because i do want them to get some clearing and some understanding. And, and it's really just about just throwing up things just to be 
negative or to incite an argument or to be right, you know, rather than uh, using it as a tool to, you know, gain that knowledge. And yeah, at the first time people bring it up, if they're able to get some resolution um, from situations mm-hmm. of standing, and then it's one of the other person is continuing the behavior at that point you see that their behavior is not going to change, and I only see that you can change yourself. And I wanted to shift, because you've been talking about achieving your bucket list even more and having gratitude, and I want to know more about that and what you're doing with this, helping people achieve their bucket list. Well, so I'm achieving my bucket list. I hope I inspire other people to do likewise, but one of the most fun Things I've, and satisfying things that I've done lately was, and it was really weird because uh, you're right, you and I saw each other again at the um, Bug Free Life Mastermind in Vegas, and that was just over a year ago. I think it was the end of May last year. And so uh, if you'll recall, Lynn Rose was sort of the master of ceremonies, and she and I were talking. She's a singer-songwriter, and... Um, so she, we were just girl talking, and I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a word person, and I love music, and so, you know, just for giggles and kicks, I've, I've written some songs. And she said, really? Let me hear the lyrics. And I said, okay. So I, I just spoke some lyrics, and she really liked my lyrics so much that she immediately put me on the phone with the brothers Corin. And they're these great musicians from Australia. They've toured with Pink, Coldplay, Bon Jovi, Rod Stewart. I mean, they are they are really amazing. And um, and they have helped people in the past in the past put their music together. So I started working with them on Zoom calls, and this was um, towards the end of the year, last December. And they said in their cute little accent. So, Christine, when you were writing your lyrics, they're so alive. We love them. Did you ever think about a melody? And I said, well, how could I write the song without a melody in my head? They said, oh, well, some people have the melody, no words, the words, no melody. And I said, oh, no, no. I I, I sang with an R&B band um, in the past, and, you know, I'm just gutsy enough to do that. And so, no, I I have a sense of rhythm, and, no, I definitely have the melody. They said, well, let us hear it right now. So I sang cold on the Zoom call a few of the songs, and the next day they called me back, and I was so flattered. They said, we want to produce every single song you've written. So my new album is getting ready to be released. With COVID, that upset the apple cart, and we were not able to finish. I had 10 songs totally, and I had only five um, at the time of COVID produced. So um, we just finished this month um, producing the, uh, the rest of the, the, the album, and I'm hoping to release that very shortly. But it all has to do with relationships. And, of course, they're all uh, love stories in the songs, and I've integrated those in my book. And I'm getting ready to do the audio book, um, actually uh, starting on Friday. And the audio book, they're going to intersperse the live music in the book. So it's it's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I love the Brothers Thank you. 
I've been friends ah. with them for, I don't know, two or three years, I think, that I've known them. And um, I actually mm. just talked to um, Isaac the other day. Um, Harold and Isaac are their names. And I wanted to talk to him about uh, the Keep Smiling movement because we've talked for years about having a Keep Smiling song. And we've had several musicians say they're going to write a song, do things for us. And then it never goes through. And so I, enough of that. I'm going to create it and manifest it on my own. And so I reached out to Isaac and, and talked to them about some other things. And, and it was through the course of our conversation that they came up with the idea as a fundraiser for us that we're going to, uh, so this is just the beginning of, of our talks, but it looks like we're moving towards um, having a fundraiser where 500 people can contribute to writing a song with us and they can all have their name attached to the song. I mean, obviously the Keep Smiling movement will own the royalties, but they can now say that they're part of creating a song to change the world for positivity. And, uh, and so we're really excited about it because we could do this virtually so everybody can attend and then uh, now we're having talks about we could even have a concert later through avatars on this <laughs> um, platform where people could come in and listen to a concert live from home. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I love yeah, it. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm so excited that you were able to pull a whole album together uh, throughout all of this. And, and to do that, I, I do remember you um, <clears throat> mentioning some of the lyrics to me before and um, and so, um, if I under, are you able to share us a little bit more about that, or sing a quip, or say some of the lyrics? Well, I'm not supposed to divulge. They said um, I did write. Well, I did write uh, during COVID. I wrote another song, and I it's entitled "Love Letter," and it's I'm not going to sing it over the telephone, but um, it basically. It says, you can, you can um, buy me diamonds, you can send me flowers, you can tattoo my name or rap poetry for hours, but nothing can compare to what your soul did share, the truth of you, your love for me, and through it all, what we can be. Yeah, I tore open your letter. It tore open my heart. Every word made me cry to finally know the how, the when, the why. And it goes on like that. So, <laughs> but um, it, was, it was my only ballad song. The, the, most of my songs are, you know, they're kind of lively and fun. And this was just such a um, a deeper a deeper conveyance of uh, the meaning of of someone's word and how it can touch the heart. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, that was this bucket list of singing is and producing music to me personally was just awesome. Uh, if you look at the energetics of it, words have frequencies. There's a resonance to, to all of our words. And it's not just what we say, it's how we convey those words. And in, in speaking, what's your tone, your cadence, you know, what, you, what words are enhanced? How do you give your, your conversation real meaning? And so with music, though, it really uh, opens up the throat and the heart chakras, if I can be bold enough to talk about that. And it, it, it really makes you want to fly, in, in my opinion. So anyone that 
feels like, well, I sing. I, I've never been really good at that. I believe everyone, just like a fingerprint, has their own voice. And it's finding your voice that is such a treasure. I, when I was speaking over the nation and running around with the um, uh, Be Friendship Focus program back in the mid, um, like 2010, 2011, etc., I thought to myself, on the scary meter, what's scarier than getting up and talking and presenting in front of a room full of people at a national conference? Well, let's see, there's skydiving, there's bungee cord jumping, and oh, and then there's singing. And so I went home and I signed up for a group singing class entitled Finding Your Voice. And in the midst of that, ironically, a friend of mine, his house had burned to the ground. And before they put the, they were rebuilding the house. And before they put the roof on, he had this uh, popping off party, it was called. And so we, all these people were dancing with an open roofed home on the second floor. And he had hired uh, an R&B band who were originally from Nashville. So I'm, you know, enjoying myself, and the band leader looks down and points at me and says, well, I see you can dance, but can you sing? And I thought, oh, what the heck, and I jumped up on stage, grabbed a mic, and we sang Aretha Franklin's Natural Woman together. And he went, damn, girl, you need to, you need to uh, come to my studio on Monday. Here's my card. Well, I was too embarrassed. I never did. I continued to take my finding your voice classes from time to time. Two years later, I looked him up, and he and the uh, his band were playing in La Jolla at a lovely place. And I showed up with some friends, and he remembered me. And he goes, "Well, you're two years too late, but I do expect to see you on Monday at my studio." And so I went, "Okay, I'll be there." And so, sure enough, that's that started it. And, and through that experience uh, with Gregory Michael and the Gregory Michael band, it encouraged me to come out of the closet with my voice. And I ended up uh, just serendipitously coming up with songs and, and, and poetry and all this through that experience of saying, I don't care what people think of me. It's really none of their business. I am here on this planet Earth to have fun. I want to have joy. I want to keep smiling. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how it started for me. I encourage anyone listening today to find what your spark is. And don't think you're being selfish because the happier you are, the happier everyone around you will be. I'm all about raising that frequency. That's you can sense that people that have that charisma, charisma is the magic that is born from confidence. Confidence is personal empowerment where you accept who you are and you love others and you, you kind of ride high through life. And those are the kinds of people I tend to want to hang out with. You, Andrea, being one of them, actually. So... <laughs> Yeah, so it's been fun. Well, thank you for that compliment. Uh, certainly, I'm uh, moved and uh, mesmerized by your story, and I also sing and have written songs. 
and I forgot, I actually have sang on stage with the Corn Brothers um, a couple times. I helped them write a song at Steve Farber's event. Uh, I was there as a publicist helping Ken Rashawn, who was the celebrity event photographer. And then uh, they had a band celebration night um, with Steve Farber playing his music and the Corin Brothers singing as well. And then I got up on stage and um, they directed me on what they wanted me to do. And so I'd like do repeat words or sing the ooh-ahs to go behind the music. And I'd forgotten that. So I can now say I performed with the Corin Brothers. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And, 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 and one day it'll be, well, that was my first performance with the Corin Brothers, as I recall. Yes, yes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I do have a question for you that's um, when you were talking about the value and importance of words. Uh, recently, I have found it interesting. I have a business partner who is very particular about words. So like today, uh, we were talking about someone sharing messages with us, and there were two different people in business that we were talking about. And I said, yes, there was a discrepancy in what they were sharing. And the business partner was like, no, that's incorrect. It's an inconsistency, not a discrepancy. And and I was realizing that, wow, it, uh, and, and I could see, actually, I can see from my point of view that both words were valid. And, you know, and I even looked up the definition to make sure I wasn't misusing it. And, and the way I used it, it was appropriate. Um, however, mm -hmm. there are some people I noticed that words, so it's interesting. So for me, I want to hear words. So like my love language is not necessarily words of affirmation. I just want to hear words. Like just talk to me about anything. It can be nothing. Insignificant chatter makes me happy and spending time with someone talking. I want to hear words. And where um, this one particular business person is very particular about the choice of vocabulary. And uh, I wondered what your thoughts were about that. Because, you know, you um, obviously mm -hmm. languaging and communication is a gift for you. And, and with your psychotherapeutic, uh, you know, thoughts. Because this is something that I've, I, it came up today. But when it came up today, I'm like, this has been an ongoing discussion in my head about, the differences in languaging and how we use it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to talk about that. So apart from doing the, um, the Inspired Heart letters for people, I also help people with creating their online dating profiles. Um, pardon the pun, but I do write eulogies to die for. <laughs> They're good. And I also um, help people um, with um, the language in dating so uh texting actually so there is there is um a gift in the in the correct use of texting and your words will matter a whole lot uh once i was coming back from a um wonderful spiritual retreat up in mount shasta and um and with a bunch of people in a minivan. There were two minivans driving. And at one point I took over the wheel, shared some of the driving as we approached Los Angeles. And a lot of the people were from Russia and the Baltic states, I'll say. And this one woman, she said, uh, she was riding on, uh, in the front seat with me. And she said, you know, Christine, I'm so upset. And I said, what, what's going on? She said, well, I have a boyfriend in Los Angeles we all lived in San Diego and as we were, she said, so I just texted him and said, 
okay, honey, how about we take the minivan to your house, pick you up, you be the chauffeur, and drive us to San Diego, like wink, wink. And I said, you're kidding. You didn't say that, did you? Oh, yes, and I'm so upset. I said, why? Well, he's texting back and saying, I'm sure you must be really tired from your long journey. And, uh, yes, I am coming to San Diego tomorrow on business for the week. Um, So maybe, I don't know, and this was Sunday night, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, are you free for dinner? She'd been dating this guy for about a year. And uh, so I said, well, that is limp in every sense of the word. And so I, so then I uh, said, okay, this is what you're going to write. Write back. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Uh, I was hoping to see you because I had the most amazing dream about us last night. It was really amazing. And uh, so then he starts texting her back. What? I want, call me. Call me. I, I want, let's talk about this. We'll do, and I said, it, put on the ignore button for 10 minutes. For all he knows, you're, you're, you're eyeing a cute guy in a Lamborghini driving by. <laughs> and so she says, oh, I, that's, I'm a Virgo. I don't act like this. I said, well, you're acting like this now. Okay, let's have fun with it. So, uh, so he was madly trying to get her to um, uh, answer his phone calls and, and all of that. And so then, then 10 minutes down the road, I said, all right, now you're, we'll, you will text him and say, um, you know, uh, I can't pick up the phone because how can we possibly have our um, intimate conversation with all these people in the minivan? At that point, he texted her, I can hop in my car in 10 seconds and see you in two hours. So I then said, well, now you can text him back and say, you know, uh, that is so sweet, but you are right. I am tired from my long journey. I can't wait to get home, and I think I'm going to jump into a fluffy, warm bubble bath. And then, and then into, um, I can't wait to lie down and really get some deep sleep. And, um, yeah, Wednesday or Thursday, I think Thursday is probably best for me. See you then. Well, the next day, he said, you are driving me crazy. And the next day, she received amazing bouquet of flowers delivered to her, and he was begging to see her all week. Within about two weeks or so, he was asking her to, uh, if she would uh, meet his parents. So, so I love seduction. I love teasing and texting. I love the allure that we can have when we are in the, in the field of dating. And by the way, even if you have a partner or you're married, there's no reason why the flirting part should not keep moving on. That is the juicy part that will be, you know, the, the, the lightness of being, the fun and the intrigue. Sometimes our relationships can become drab and predictable. Put a little spice in there. Never hurt. Good. <laughs> well, I definitely like my food with flavor. So there you go. Let's add some spices. <laughs> um, so we'll definitely yeah. have to talk more because um, uh, I'm seeing more overlap in our businesses than I realize, uh, which could that which supplement each other um, uh, quite mm-hmm. quite efficiently. So how fun is that? Uh, so um, super exciting to have had you on here with us at the Leverage Masters and to find out what you're up to. So what does the future hold for you? 
Well, let's see. Uh, I, I am right now getting ready to, uh, like I said, do the audio musical book. And I've in, during COVID, it was so amazing. I've been on no less than 20 affiliate radio shows throughout the country. And so my public speaking is becoming more um, in demand, I'll say. Uh, so there's that. I love doing that. When I started my uh, pet projects, um, in other words, becoming an, an author and speaker and, and now musician, I'll say, uh, it really was because I loved doing it, and also I wanted to make a difference. I want to touch pe- other people's lives. Uh, I don't have to work, but I enjoy what I do. And that would be my parting message to the audience is make sure that what you're doing, this is a time where you can seize the day and, and really take pause and regroup what's my life about and what brings me joy and excitement. So as I move forward, I am open to all kinds of adventures and invitations to interact with people. Um, I can't wait to start traveling again. It's one of my things I absolutely love to do. And Uh, I just remodeled the upstairs of my home, and I'm creating an art studio out of my daughter's previous bedroom. So, uh, yeah, and I am a grandmother, so uh, I'm having a lot of joy with that. And so, yeah, it's uh, maybe not putting everything on a predictable uh, mode, but I am open to surprises. I'm open to new adventures, and, and, and I'm open to receiving more uh, love and, and, and contentment in this lifetime, no matter what. Oh, I am also re- uh, writing my next book, which is my story. And it's shock and awe. And I haven't completely figured out the subtitle to that, but it's, uh, it's going to be about how to really release yourself from trauma. I all got my attention. <laughs> huh? I said the word shock and awe got my attention. And with that, we're going to have to leave a big teaser for everybody for the future because we're out of time. Again, this was our guest, Ah. Christine Grant, K and an E, grant.com. And now I'll be saying that for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you've been listening to the Leverage Masters. Gina, do you want to take us out? Sure. Well, thank you so much, Christy. I didn't want to jump in, Andrea, because I wanted you to talk about stuff with regard to the smile movement that you belong, that you and uh, Ken have. So thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week, and thank we will you. be back same time, same place next week. Take care, guys. Keep smiling. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.